Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hit the record button, Josh Brown. Now you are not Jules Gill, as I have just said your name. Josh Brown, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm not Jules Gill. I looked in the morning this morning, this this morning, obviously. I looked in the mirror this morning uh, and I was bald and had a giant beard. And I was like, why? Why? Why has this happened? Is it you woke up this I morning, got in? yourself a gun. An untitled band of podcast. Don't you be bringing. Don't you be bringing, my boy. The well, just, crack. I, do, I don't, I don't know what the Sopranos thing is. I'm going to sort of float this on the UBP, see if most of the UBP following are, uh, are fans of the Sopranos because it's it's doing the rounds, Josh Brown. Why, I don't know why the Sopranos has come back, but it's it's everywhere. You can't it's get away from the, it. The ultimate lockdown viewing experience, that's why. It is perfect for everyone just having a lot of time on their hands, mm. everyone deciding, you know what, that series that I've been meaning to watch for 20 years, I can probably get around to that now. I might as well give it a go. And everyone's been loving it. I think we mentioned it on a couple of different uh, videos, podcasts, whatever it's been so far, but like, I feel like most of the world has rediscovered The Sopranos, including our office for whatever reason. But then there's also Sopranos memes doing the rounds. That guy, main man, forget his name, Gandolfini, Big G, he's just mm-hmm. doing the rounds as well. And uh, it's a big old thing. But anyway, this is the Untitled Banter Podcast. <laughs> I'm Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? Well, I'm pretty good. I know, I'm glad to have you on. We actually, we did a bit of a switcheroo because Jules filled in for your new slot thing the other week and then you're on the UBP because Jules is apparently camping somewhere, like some sort of oh, weird outdoors Having a man. good time, is he? <laughs> Get, getting fresh air and that, like a weirdo. And so, yeah, he's <laughs> he's out doing his camping stuff. And, uh, and I thought, well, why not get Mr. JB Josh Brown in for the entire band of pods? So, um, massive thank you to everybody for sending in questions. Now, for this week, I didn't ask for fresh questions. I thought I'd go back to the old take trough because um, obviously we get so many submitted uh, every week that they're, they're always put in the take off anyway um, and we've still got tons to get to so um going back to some stuff from the last couple of weeks first question from laughing Sunbro: who in your mind is making the gaming industry better these days we see a lot about the negative but what about the positive any people groups or companies you'd want to give a shout out to oh an interesting Ooh. one in terms Ooh, I, I mean there's so many people like doing great work like you know pushing forward in terms of um you know developer working conditions you're trying mm-hmm. to minimize crunch you know pushing for more diversity in the hiring and stuff like that in terms of actual like developers and creatives though i think we talked about him i think maybe even this monday on our podcast scott mm-hmm. but i'm um, joseph Fares. Like, I just feel like the stuff... I need a Farah's t-shirt, mate. You've no idea how much I think he's the new Kojima. I want a, I want a t-shirt where it's him with his middle finger, like like a silhouette with the middle finger going like, F the Oscars. Like, I just want that as a t-shirt. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, living yeah, for exactly. it. exactly. He's like this, like, renegade who also makes, like, the cutest, <laughs> most wholesome games. <laughs> and they're so pure. But in terms of, like, reclaiming, I guess, um, formats and, you know, 
approaches to gaming that have since gone out of fashion. Like I love that he's promoting, um, you know, split screen stuff, local mm. co-op stuff, and just making these really interesting idiosyncratic games and getting a big budget for them and getting a lot of love and a big following for doing it, you know, at mm. a time where we've got monetization being shoved down our throats and everyone's chasing the most money in the entire world. Like I think having a Joseph Farris in there proves that, you know, there is an alternate model. There are other games that can be made. And I think that's awesome. His stuff continues to not, like I'm playing through It Takes Two now and that game's just taken a swerve where now it's a third person shooter, which is brilliant. And it reminded me a lot of Splatoon in terms of the way that the, the weapons that you get given and stuff. But the, that game just feels like the most, like it's such an anomaly. Like the fact that it's published by EA, it has this real auteur sort of creative vision. There's a lot of him in it in regards to like, you look at his other works like Brothers and uh, A Way Out. I know he's directed a few movies and stuff in the past as well. Um, but like you said, it's just that idea of like the return of the, the auteur, the creator, because across the 2000s, it was like, Ken Levine, Hideo Kojima, um, you know, X number of other sort of people that helmed their franchise, even Cliff Plazinski for Gears of War. And I feel like mm-hmm. that stuff kind of went away a bit. Um, but Farah's getting out there and being such a big personality. I mean, there was a quote the other day, um, and we can't swear on this podcast, but he was being interviewed the other day about <laughs> like, what does he think his role in gaming is? And he said his role was to FS up. He just wants to get in there. He just said that his role is to do that. He said that, yeah, he's like, oh, when I'm around a bunch of developers, my role is to FS up. And so I'm a big fan of that. Um, it's some sort of mantra to live by. Um, I did want to shout out because he, uh, Sumbro mentioned, um, you know, people, groups, and companies. Um, I think no clips stuff, uh, Daniel Dwyer's stuff that he's done since leaving Games, uh, GameSpot, um, just seeing games be made. I feel like the industry drops the ball on that in every conceivable way. And I think that, you know, so many issues in regards to like crunch and how we think of games being made. And like, you still see people doing like wish list features for games like a month before release and it's like you guys have no well I mean, for understandable reasons because there's hardly any media out there to to show otherwise how games are made um and i feel like you know we need more companies like that i don't know if you remember when playstation started doing it they used to do little round tables they actually did it with will wheaton back in the day no the only things <laughs> i remember like them putting out are those kind of like final day documentaries that they did for the first last of us and then mm. obviously they did the big documentary for um god of war but the I raising kratos that, like, one those, yes yeah that mm. one yeah which you well, featured in did you not scott you well see, very briefly. funnily enough yeah i wasn't gonna drop that in but yeah i'm in the final <laughs> credits if you i couldn't get enough of that game and they um yeah they asked if they could use me i'm part of the the final credits saying that it was an amazing game um but yeah they did sony did these like first party uh round table things where they sat down i think neil Druckmann's on one of them i think one of them is a last of us one um where it's will wheaton as the host sitting with a bunch of different devs and just talking about the creative process and everything and so for me like no you know no clip is fan funded documentaries uh you know hosted by daniel dwyer x game spot dude awesome dude and uh just yeah goes and you know shows how games are made from rocket league to horizon to um, you know doom and everything else and i think that like we see so many like making ofs in film especially when on the dvd boom it was like everything came with a making of or a behind the scenes and i feel like hardly any games do that like the idea of a video game mm. Uh, a developer's commentary is still like a rarity whereas i think it should be in everything um totally so yeah i would shout out those things um next question from josh cook of the many big AAA exclusives xbox has coming both near and distant which if any do you imagine could come close to the quality and acclaim of sony's top tier stuff um if that was the case could you see xbox stealing the generation since they are already arguably doing better in all departments other than exclusives 
I think if they, yeah, if, if Xbox can, can get their exclusive properties to, to hit at the same level that Sony's have over the past few um, years, especially, like they could just run away with the crown, can't they? Like they could just run away with the entire generation because then they literally would have everything, you know? Mm. But I don't think they're quite at the level of, you know, dropping something even like Days Gone and Ghost of Tsushima, which are, you know, new IPs, which, you know, are difficult sells in the modern mm. climate. Like you don't expect those things to be like complete smash hits. You know, you, you want them to do well and stuff. You don't expect mm. them to be runaway successes. And I mean, it was just confirmed the other day that Ghost of Tsushima made, I mean, sold 6.5 million copies since it launched last year, which mm-hmm. is crazy for a new IP. I think it's their fastest selling yeah, new IP on the... It's going to be um, a movie as well, like in terms of just like general impact. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I do hope Microsoft can get to that point where we've got like these franchises coming out, whether they're legendary franchises like Halo and Gears or the new stuff from Obsidian or the many other direct, um, developers that they've bought up. If they mm-hmm. can get to that level... I think they can absolutely smash it. Do I see any on the horizon right now that I think can match that stuff? <laughs> no. That's what we, that's we just what need I to thinking. see more, you know. Yeah, my thing is, I feel like uh, Microsoft are trying to take because they, you know, they brought in all the uh, the Avatar stuff after seeing it on uh, the Wii. Like it was, like, oh, you can make your little animated version of yourself on Nintendo console on on the Wii. And then all of a sudden, we had, you know, they made Rare do all that stuff. They took Rare off game development and made them do their version of um of little like mini versions of us. Um, I couldn't think what they're called, just avatars, I think, on the Xbox side. And so yeah, I think, like, you are. know, you look at things like that, and I wonder how much they view Nintendo's history as the way to be as a legacy video game company, because I feel like, you know, they're now rebooting uh, Forza and Perfect Dark, and um, there was a couple other games that they're sort of, uh, Fable as well, they're sort of just mm-hmm. bringing back. And I'm like, do they view these franchises as legacy franchises, like the same way that Nintendo do? Because for as much as Sony have, like, long-standing franchises, most of them have since gone third-party, like Crash Bandicoot or Spyro or Metal Gear Solid or whatever. Not that they didn't start as third-party, but they did start as exclusives and i feel like you know, even final fantasy now is not known as a sony exclusive thing but it used to be um after after the snes and everything and so i kind of wonder like when i look at the slate that xbox has in the future it doesn't excite me looking at another fable another forza you know like, i'm curious what perfect dark's going to be but even yeah. then new studio uh, the coalition are saying that it's going to be a completely new experience i think it's going to be in third person so already it's different to perfect to the original <sighs> perfect dark See, me personally, I'm looking forward to them in particular because, you know, when they try to do something different with Gears and Halo, you know, I really love Gears 5, you know, I'll mm-hmm. talk about that with Ben Roy whenever <laughs> I possibly many can. Points. But they were very much continuations and they weren't kind of shaking things up in a massive, massive way. But I think, you know, if you take these franchises that people love, like Fable, like Perfect Dark, mm-hmm. that haven't really been served well in a long time. I mean, Fable 3 was ages ago and that wasn't a great note to go out on. Obviously, Lionhead Studios had a bunch of games that were also cancelled. We've got new blood in. We've got a brand new developer in. We've got a clean slate for all intents and purposes. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they can be re-embraced because, I mean, if you told me, if you asked me this, Scott, in relation mm-hmm. to Sony, like five years ago, and you were like, Josh, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to make another God of War reboot it? <laughs> I'd have been like, hell no, do something new. True. But I think these um, kind of creatives have shown that you can do original things with existing franchises and update them in a revolutionary way that still stays true to what mm. the what made them famous in the first place, but in a way that isn't afraid to completely rejig certain things, approach the things with a different perspective and stuff mm. like that, and kind of, you know, make it feel new, even if the name isn't. 
It's weird, right? Because I feel like the amount of studios that Xbox have now, I think it's 23 studios they have now that they've done the Bethesda deal. It feels like, you know, that bit when you play like an RTS and you just gather up all your resources just for ages. <laughs> you just sort of like, oh, I'm next. As soon as I do something, I'm going to destroy everything in front of me, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I feel like 2021 is them just sort of, no, just make, just make more infantry units, just make more cannons, just make more ballistas. And then I'll, I'll unleash all of it in the future. And I feel like once that gets going, it'll be kind of like a thing to behold. Like if they can, you know, get all their ducks in a row and have all of those 23 studios rotate through then you should pretty much have you know an xbox branded thing every month every couple of months um and that treadmill of stuff will be so much more powerful assumedly than what sony are putting together um but we're nowhere near that uh yes and the, the way that they seem to be rolling it out is that they still want to bolster game pass like you know way far ahead of anything else and so yeah i mean like like you said um you know to the original question is there anything that's on the horizon that feels like it could go up against um sony stuff um not yet but i think that like just the sheer amount of studios under their wing i still think we'll get a bethesda obsidian crossover thing i just think you'll get that even if it's just you know the art designer from one of them and the conceptual lead from another they can still say that's bethesda and obsidian coming together and then maybe that'll mm-hmm. be like a big deal um because there is still that awoken game i think it's called awoken uh, obsidian's yes. new rpg um so assumedly that'll be something but it looks very traditionalist so i guess like that's maybe a more of a wait and see um next question from william huxley this this might make you feel very old and not as old as me but we'll see <laughs> uh, mr william huxley being a teenager who grew up playing games on the ps4 and xbox one generation i feel like i've missed out on some great games from earlier generations <laughs> like gta san andreas metal gear solid and more so what are some games you would recommend from earlier generations maybe albums Dude. tv and life experience <laughs> too i'm sorry carry on sometimes right you know i look in the mirror and i think you're not too old now you still you still got it you still got it but we we, we don't scott we're, we're, we don't, we're old mate. we're not we're not there's cool teenagers we on are. the eighth generation my friend and there really is I mean, that's a bit of a thing such a big question such a great question mm. and it's difficult to just shout out oh, one thing off the top of my head because there is such a history well, see, so he mentions, i was gonna say yeah you mentioned san andreas metal gear solid is that does that spark something in you Metal Gear Solid, definitely. I, mm. I, those old GTAs, I'm wrangling with myself because I've been considering going to buy the GTA trilogy on the PlayStation 4 at the mm-hmm. moment, um, which is, you know, GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. I, totally but I don't know if I don't know if they'll hold up. It's obviously, you know, great to go back to them, mm. but I think they very much are as much a product of their time as they are like these quote-unquote timeless classics, you know. It's strange, right? Because I I've have gone back to them uh, in amongst all the lockdown madness. Me and you have covered this on our podcast on the Mondays, where we've just been going back to all sorts of mad stuff. You're playing The Sopranos, because why not? But all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And I went back to GTA 3 and Vice City and San Andreas just across lockdown, just did a handful of missions and just sort of got a feel for those games because Rockstar have changed so much. Um, and it's weird because retroactively um, and retrospectively, when you go back to them now, they're so much more arcadey than how Rockstar is now. And um, like the stunt ramps all over the place, the maps are way smaller, they're easier to memorize. And um, I feel like there's just like, you know, in GTA 3, I forgot that there's all the, the drug tablet pickups that you can get. Just like pick up a, a power up and all of a sudden you're in slow motion, but your punches are launching dudes across the street. <laughs> and I was like, I can go for this. Like, I mean, it reminds me of like older top down 2D GTA. But at the same time, like there is like a feeling to that old school GTA like where you can play around with it a lot more. Like even Nicky Jakey talked about, um, which is what I, I did this too. Like the whole thing where you, you know, you're tasked with taking out a particular person who's going to be driving a car in a mission. So you get there early, you steal the car, you put the bomb in the car and you put the car back where it was before and the person gets in and blows themselves up. And you that was one of the best moments in like GTA history that you did yourself that Rockstar have since moved completely away from. So like those things are still in those old GTAs. And like, like I said, weirdly, it makes them like retroactively fresh because you're used to being told where to go and where to stand in cinema, cinematic 
based games or whatever. But yeah, I still love the old GTAs. I mean, especially for the music and everything. And um, when was the last time you played those games or anything from, I guess, that era? Well, this is the thing that was like so long ago, like those GTA mm. games. I've just, I haven't revisited since I was a kid, really. You know, I've dabbled when Vice City came, first came to PlayStation 4. Like me mm. and my friends got it. We had a few drinks. We lived our childhoods at the time. <laughs> um, but I, I guess the one game that I can always recommend that is a little bit older that you might have missed if you're a teenager growing up on the PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. is Resi 4. I think that's one of the just yes. absolute most timeless classics that constantly holds up. Like I play that every two years or so on a new yep. console or whatever. And whatever version of that game you're playing, you're going to have a good time. You know what I mean? Whatever part of it you can get your hands on. Like that just works. The combat is still so satisfying. It's so well-paced. It's both scary. It's comedic. It has great characters. I feel like it's one that you could pick up now and it'll still feel as good as it ever did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there is that like really top tier, like you just, you know, look at any sort of list of best games of all time. Things like Bioshock are going to be up there, like stuff that you need to play that like shape the industry. Like I would totally say Bioshock, even though I personally don't vibe with Bioshock that much. Um, I still like, rec- I still appreciate what it brought to the industry um, and the whole like, you know, Brit- like I guess to say what it did to the industry kind of hints at the big spoiler that is that game, but you should play through it because of like what it did to narratives and things with the fourth wall and um, that sort of thing. I think all that stuff is is essential. There are franchises like he sort of says, like Metal Gear Solid GTA, um, that are just like essential uh, franchises to slot in. Like obviously on the Nintendo side, there's all the Metroid games and stuff like that too um, because it's super easy to just never go back, but you totally should. Yeah, I think if you can get the Bioshock um, trilogy that was re-released on mm. PlayStation 4, I think, you know, you get Bioshock 1, Bioshock 2, which is severely underrated. Like yeah. going through them, I'd never played Bioshock 2 properly. I remember buying it when it came out and I got sick of it. So I traded it in and got <laughs> Alan Wake instead. And at the time, yes. that was a really good decision. But now going back to it, Bioshock 2 is so underrated. Like the gameplay is a step up from the first one. Mm. And then Infinite, I still really like, even though a lot of people kind of went against it. I think the world that it creates is so distinct. Like mm. definitely, definitely and check those out there was another one that i just remembered right there but have now forgotten i would have been thinking <laughs> well, about this that, all night or all weekend in fact there's a uh, like 2013 was like bioshock infinite the last of us gta 5 like i remember that year being insane and, and if for whatever reason he hasn't played the last of us you should absolutely go back and do that and then do last of us part two hopefully you haven't been spoiled by it but i mean th- yeah those games once you start looking at like proper cream of the crop type stuff um franchises will come to the head like final F- all the final fantasies like i mean you've got all you can say no, no, go, 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 go. I'll, I'll oh. jump in afterwards. Well, mine would just be that, yeah, like the, there's, there'll, there'll be a Final Fantasy gap in your knowledge. And so I would go back to the original Final Fantasy 7 and 9. I would actually start with, mm, I would start with Final <laughs> Fantasy 9 if for the sake of someone who grew up after that boom. I still think 7 totally holds up. I love that feeling of that game and the music and everything else. But yeah, you should totally play the original Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. Um, and if you have time, go for 10. But um, what was the thing that you were, you were thinking? Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. I was just thinking of the things that I've been replaying recently that I hadn't played or maybe not played at all in Devil May Cry, just all of the Devil yeah. May Cries. That was such a great couple of weeks I had with one, two, three, four, and five, just playing them back to back. I believe you did all of them in a two-week period. It, it made five so good, even though I'd only been waiting like a few weeks. Like uh-huh. the callbacks to three, especially, I was like, this hits. This, this hits yeah. like I've been waiting 20 years for it. So Some all of, of the Devil has. May Cries. <laughs> it all they got awards. I did those um, last year, and they held up really well. Like mm. two, I I I love three. A lot of people right. didn't like three. I loved three. I thought that was just so satisfying from a gameplay perspective. And you know, one still holds up. Two was really good. The PSP so ones are actually great. Not that, I mean, I would yes. totally say go get yourself a Vita and Hoover up all the games that are on there before June when they're going to take <laughs> them offline. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going back to the the God of Wars on PSP at the minute because I'm having a whole PSP PS Vita love in. Um, because someone's got to pay that machine some respect if Sony insist on burying it alive. Well, maybe not alive. Maybe just slightly <laughs> clawing at the burying soil. it dead, <laughs> burying yeah. it slowly and painfully. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, all those all those major franchises that you've sort of heard of that you know are a big deal. Most of them, when, once you start searching them, always have like a handful of games that are super essential. Um, next question from Matthias Grimm. Um, after so many balks and controversies and infighting, is there still a future for Bioware? The Mass Effect trilogy remaster is a good start, but can they regain the love, faith, and respect they once held with fans? I miss them. Stay safe. All my love. <laughs> Thank you very much. And back to you. But does Bioware actually have a life anymore? Listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of comebacks. <laughs> I'm a big fan of second chances. Same, I think yeah. with a company like Bioware, it's got too much of a history for it to not bounce back, you'd think. You'd think, I mean, yeah. the fact that it hasn't been closed down, West EA has been eager to close down so many other studios, mm. to me indicates that, you know, it's still got something to it. It still hopefully has some of that Bioware magic that they relied on way too much with mm. Andromeda and Anthem. And I think if they just managed to refocus and pivot to something that they genuinely want to make and make sure it's organized from the top to the bottom i think they can come back you know they've only really had in my opinion like one really bad game one really mediocre game right and that's that's like it i mean it, yes it has been the past 10 years of bioware but with <laughs> and dragon all the staff have left and, you know and all the staff has left with dragon age 4 with the mass effect um sequel that's coming up i forgot mm-hmm. about that completely and with the upcoming remastered trilogy I just, I, I just, if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. That's what I'll say. Like, if if they don't manage to claw back some respect with these mm. next few projects, it's it, then I'll say no, it can't happen. But um, yeah. I still believe. 
I, I want to believe that every time I read one of those reports about just how many influential people have since left, like the the, the founders left in like 2012 or whatever it was, or 2013, just before Mass Effect 3. Um, and then you've got like Casey Hudson's just been, oh, no, I'm good, I'm out. And then like there's all these different, all these leads, project leads um, that have came and went. Mac Walters is still there, I think. I think he's the one dude who's still there that was on the original games. Um, and he's the lead on the, the new trilogy. So yeah, I guess one thing going back through that trilogy, when we eventually when it comes out, is going to be like, does this feel like it touches up everything? in the right area or does it feel like a cash grab like assumedly there'll be hopefully there's some semblance of soul in that trilogy that like reignites the spark in like oh my god bioware can do all these things but no other dev is is anywhere close really once when, when bioware is firing on all cylinders there's nothing like them and i think mm-hmm. that like i would like a a prevalent third party uh, sorry third person major you know rpg studio doing their thing um next question from abby sparkles what are your guys thoughts on black widow getting a release date through disney plus premier access do you think movies will keep releasing digitally or will everything move back to theaters when we go back to quote unquote normal <laughs> it's oh man it's so difficult i I would love, I can't even think of normality, man. Like, I don't even, I can't even conceptualize what. Hey, we saw each other the other day. We saw each other with our own eyes. We couldn't touch each other, but we saw each other from That's afar. That's true. Hopefully, I'll get to look into your lovely eyes more often as the months go on, Scott. But <laughs> I know. Un- until then, we're resigned to watching movies like this and streaming services. I mean, we were talking before we started recording mm. about how you're going to rent Godzilla versus Kong for $15.99. And the count in the minutes. Cinema and uh, with like with Black Widow, I think that was an inevitability. I think they did well to push it for as long as they did, mm. you know, when so many other studios and themselves were create caving, putting you know Mulan on Disney Plus, you know, releasing a bunch of other tent poles like Wonder Woman 1984 and um, on HBO Max and stuff. Like they mm. held out, I think, for as long as they could. And now ultimately, you know, the MCU in particular is like a big machine, they have yeah. plans going forward, each movie interconnects, they have different phases, and we're all already, already kind of of out of sync now with one division and um captain why is it what the hell is that show called that's the one both of these (laughs) are kind of airing later than they should and they're airing before things that should have already came out so i Mm -hmm. think ultimately they needed to just kind of like say that black widow is coming you know we need to move on we need to get on with all of these other projects i think it sucks for that movie in particular because i think especially with it's you know it's a Black Widow movie. People have been looking forward to that for a long time. It's so it mistimed. Like, it's coming it out is. so late. Like, it's ridiculous. It um, I think in regards to, like, the whole access point thing and the conversation around, like, do you, like, fundamentally, I guess that's a question I can ask you. Like, fundamentally, do you want to see new movies at home? Like, is that a yes or no thing for you? Because I I don't really. I want to see them on the big screen. I, do, I guess it depends what the movie is. But someone like a, mm-hmm. like a Christopher Nolan movie, I remember when I saw Gravity in the cinema, like Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, I wouldn't have wanted to watch that on TV. And I remember when I've rewatched these movies like Dunkirk or whatever uh, with my parents, like on their TV at home, it's no, it's not the same thing. And I think that there is a there is a quality, there is a specificity to seeing a film in the cinema that you cannot do at home. Um, yeah. And so I think like, you know, some things depending on what the project is, like if we talk about Marvel movies, like MCU, Infinity War, Endgame, I wouldn't have wanted them at home at all. Like, you know, the, there's something about that energy that you can't replicate. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. I love the cinema experience. I'd just fallen back in love with it when, when they all closed <laughs> down, which was really, really annoying. Right. But at the same time, I do think, I, and I disagree with like maybe maybe you, Scott, and a mm. lot of like people I really respect, film people I respect on Twitter, who every single time something gets announced for streaming, they get a bit frustrated and a bit annoyed. But at the same time, in the period we're in, I just I just want movies. I just want to see right. these movies. And at the, at the moment in time, the safest way to do that is via streaming. Mm. And 
And ultimately, I think these movies need to be seen. They're still going to be seen by a lot of people, whether they come to streaming or whether they go to cinemas and stuff. And at the moment, it's far safer and ultimately far more accessible to stream them right now. So currently, I'm fine with it. If this became the normal, whenever we went back to normal, mm. then that then I'll be kind of like frustrated if things are skipping cinemas entirely. I think mm. it should bounce back, but until we get to that point, I'm I'm fine with seeing Black Widow on um, the small screen. Oh, dude, you know? I mean, like like right now, I'm psyched to go and get some. Um, I was going to say Coronas in to get some Australias in. Well, and, uh, yeah. I'm gonna get some Coronas in. You never know. And, uh, and watch and watch Godzilla vs Kong because like yeah, that, that's the thing that I'm pretty excited for. But I think like yeah, let's see we get back to like normality. I did see there was that Cineworld deal where movies will be in cinemas first, and then I think go to streaming after that. And I kind of wonder whether we'll get some sort of staggered release like that, like a release like a a timed window where like the the dedicated fans can go see it. Uh, or maybe a simultaneous release, and you just—it's just options. Like you choose whether you want to go and spend the money for a one-off uh, viewing for a reduced price, or whether you want to pay to keep it, or whatever, and just flatten out all those price points all at once. Um, I am curious to see how it goes. I think most of the home releases have been pretty disastrous sales-wise. Like I'm pretty sure Mulan bombed. Um, I can't mm. on my head, but I just remember the general conversation around most of those releases. But I think it's mainly because the price point was crazy. But it was that those movies didn't do anywhere near as good as they could have done if they released properly, quote unquote. Yeah, totally. I mean, some of them have done okay. I know Trolls M3 maybe <laughs> was like, we're like the first ones to try it. And that did right. quite well. I, mm-hmm. think, um, I think Wonder Woman did okay. But obviously, um, you know, you need the box office to get the biggest amount of money mm. and you know when it comes to sort of stuff like wonder woman and jack zack snyder i always called him jack, jack snyder? snyder big fan who is uh, you know, yes amazing it's it's almost five on a friday but you know i'm, <laughs> I'm not used to this i'll carry on uh, zack snyder's justice league like they're made primarily to get subscribers into their streaming it's not really about the money so i guess we'll never really know whether it's whether they've done their job if that makes sense you know obviously they haven't made as much money as they would if they were just in cinemas but they might have got enough subscribers to justify that trade-off it's all about yeah. trade-offs I suppose. that's the whole the game pass thing it's just so like we'll just keep throwing big tiles at this thing hoping that we get you in because we'll make money in the long term because you'll always be paying the monthlies going forward um but yeah i mean i think it's going to be a hell of a conversation going forward but we're still months away from that conversation happening in full about like you know are we all going to mass go back to the the cinemas or whatever um possibly final question from andy taylor with microsoft buying bethesda what's your favorite ever bethesda game do you have high hopes for the next elder scrolls as well this I is a tough one. It. it is a tough <laughs> one. I'm not entirely sure. It's contemplating. Such a fondness for. Are we just talking? Right, okay. Need some boundaries here. Yes. Are we talking Bethesda published? Are we talking Bethesda developed? Let's is do it one everything. Of I think we'll do one okay. of each. I think most a lot of people get them confused because a lot of people got it. Like, I did it was really shady, right? I really I was oh. gonna, I was going to tweet this. I was going to let the world know, all, all, all my <laughs> ten followers know that like when Bethesda got acquired and they did that that uh, that little teaser trailer sizzle reel thing of everything that they've achieved as Bethesda with the long way at the top. If you want to rock and roll by ACDC, brilliant idea, loved it. But why did they include Doom in there? Because it was alongside <laughs> Elder Scrolls. It was alongside, they had Fallout in there as well. And it was just like, like, like lads, you didn't, it's like when Netflix do it, like Netflix, oh, all these Netflix originals and it's all the stuff that they've bought, like Breaking Bad or whatever. And it's like, no, you guys don't get to say this is yours. Like, Dude, not a fan. You do if you bought it. 
That's the and whole the, point, oh, you know. Not, you spend not... that money so you can put them in these sizzle reels. You can't be ashamed of them, you know. No, 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 no the... you, can't be ashamed, you can't be ashamed of it, but you can put it in and put the put the id software logo on, and then because mm. they tell the history of Bethesda and they show them as a little rinky ding company with a little table at the booth back in '86 <laughs> or whatever. Game for that. But as soon as you start pretending that you made Doom from the ground up, that's that's when I'm coming in saying, no, lads, you need to show <sighs> that because they can totally spin it and do part of the sizzle reel when they became a publisher and then they acquired all these different people, have an umbrella, umbrella, umbrella style graph. <laughs> like a spider graph you know this show everything coming together and now this is Bethesda, the bethesda family i just could i just gone riled me. i have a big big question here scott yes how would you have fitted all of that into a 140 word tweet that's what i want to know <laughs> you're going to tweet it out I think I think I would have done Bethesda like a start date and then sort of like Bethesda, you know, like made friends, like you know, my, like MySpace style, you know, important life events, and then just you know get to where we are now, splashing seven point five billion on uh, on acquiring other people, like on, on joining exactly. the Microsoft company. But yes, the thing I was going to say before I got rambly about Doom was that some people look at Doom and look at the Bethesda logo and think that Bethesda made Doom, um, or think that Bethesda made Fallout New Vegas, etc. So um, yes, let's do best Bethesda published games and best Bethesda developed games best bethesda published games mm. is almost a three-way tie but i'm not going to take the piss too yeah. much so i'll just do a two-way tie <laughs> it's between um prey by arcane Shout, which yeah. i will talk about until i am dead i think that's one of the best <laughs> sci-fi sims that i've played in a long time that game's got fps boost now as well lovely 4k6 does it really loving it finally yeah. you can return to it I and can't. evil within 2 is like one of the best oh. horror games of the generation and everyone seems to forget about it because resident evil 2 remake came out and everyone started talking about that instead and i'm like no the evil within 2 is great it's open world it's yep. weird it's so well done it's uh it's awesome and when it comes to bethesda um developed titles mm-hmm. It's perhaps the normie pick, but for me, it's 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 Skyrim. You it's know, I can be talk Skyrim, about yeah. how much I love Fallout Three or Oblivion or go back to Morrowind or whatever. But mm-hmm. Skyrim is just it's. I'm gonna have fond memories of that when I'm 90 years old. <laughs> and I'm talking to my grandkids You'll who still are be teenagers playing, playing. Yeah, they'll still be playing it on <laughs> their on their leg implants or something, which have like screens on them, like <laughs> cyberpunk. You know. Um, to be honest, of all the, the publishers that would embrace uh, little mini screens in your wrist, I would take a version of Skyrim on there. Give me the motion controls. I'm all the way in. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of um, Bethesda published stuff, I'd have to go with Doom Eternal. Um, I don't know if I'd do it with that as number one. I think I probably would. Um, I think that's just the most fun I've had with a Bethesda published anything in quite some time. Just such a weird eye-widening, just like melting my brain, but I'm loving it style game. Although the DLC can eat it. I'm not a fan of that. I can eat some words that I can't say. And in terms of a second one, um, I'd probably back your Evil Within, um, mainly because more people should play Evil Within too. Um, like you said, it has these open world segments, open world horror, just exploring a little miniature city. And then all of a sudden there's a jump scare around the corner, but you didn't know it was coming. Or maybe you go inside a building and suddenly it's like a slow burn corridor crawl kind of horror. Really cool um, conceptual stuff in there. Um, and like um, Bethesda developed stuff, definitely Skyrim um, by a landslide. I don't know if I have a number two. I don't think I have Ooh. something something else that Bethesda have, have made that I've gone like, oh, I adore that because I just, I don't know if Skyrim's the bar, then like, it'd, it'd be Fallout 3. I'd have to put Fallout 3 because I can't say New Vegas and I can't say Fallout 4. Well, so, that's it. That's the, the, thing. Thing with, the thing with Fallout 3 is if you mm. asked me in 2010, it would have right. been Fallout 3 any day of the week, but it's going back to it and exploring the wider Fallout franchise. Mm. I just like the other games better and I can, it, it makes me look on Fallout 3 a bit less fondly because of how streamlined it is and how yeah. basic it is in comparison and how it doesn't really do the fallout law justice in my opinion but at the mm-hmm. same time it's still a solid game for back then i absolutely loved it it's what got me into rpgs in a big way it's what got me into fallout and post-apocalyptic stuff mm-hmm. um but second would be oblivion for me for me right. like that was again getting that in the 360 was 
revelatory Scott Tailford. It See, was just I, something I had not seen before. It's very me and you. It's very, yeah, cue the theme song. It's very me and you because I <laughs> bounced the hell off Oblivion back in the day. Couldn't couldn't get with it. The first game, the Elder Scrolls game that, that twigged with me with Skyrim and uh, when I finally came in. But like, yeah, I mean, in terms of um, Fallout stuff, Fallout 4 also has the FPS boost. So like if people are curious about what state Fallout 4 is in in 2021, um, they seem to have done quite a lot of work to it. I'm curious about going back to that because I, again, bounced the hell off that in 2015 um, and was part of the, the crowd going like, oh my God, this thing is abysmal and uh, this wasn't a thing classic scott and josh fashion i was <laughs> the exact opposite i was looking forward to that game so much and i did not bounce off it and at one point in time that was the game i'd put the most hours into because i was Good. just i was just eating that stuff up and i'm still now and apologies haven't haven't played it in four years but well, that's the, the thing time, like- who knows? It was a thing. I mean, that was it was a huge deal back at the time. I still put a hell of a lot of time into it, but I could easily see the the people just saying, "What the hell is this?" The lock picking mechanic is exactly the same. Oh my god, they've barely changed anything, and uh, and that kind of stuff. But I imagine that with resolution and frame rate boost and all that kind of stuff, that it'll just make it flow a lot better. Like that combat model, um, going into the resourcing and uh, resource gathering and the crafting and everything else um, should make it come together. So yes, um, thanks to everybody for sending in their questions from the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know where the hell Jules is. I'll find him at some point in the future. If not, Mr. JB can pop <laughs> back. It's been a lovely time. But for now, this has been the Untitled Banter Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Any time, mate. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.